Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Daniel Gallon. Well, 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 look who it is, Daniel Gallon. I'm Bob Flounders. Daniel Gallon joining me for a midweek edition of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. Daniel, it's always great to see you. I, I know you survived and maybe even probably enjoyed your Thon experience. I saw you got a chance to see some sights, talk to some players. We have some stuff really I, I want to get into with you about Penn State that I did not get into with Dave Jones yesterday. But just what, what, what were your impressions of just kind of being around the whole Thon weekend and kind of what Penn State puts together uh, every year? Yeah, it was a very impressive, uh, I guess, production. Um, I'd never really been to anything like that. Um, especially something in the BG, in the BJC. Um, I was over on the floor for about an hour, hour and a half on Saturday, uh, kind of walking around, taking things in, uh, talked to a couple of the dancers, some of the organizers, and it's just a very impressively put together thing and the, you know, amount of people that it takes to pull something like that off. Um, I checked in uh, on the live stream too. Um, I watched some of the dances at the pep rally checked in on some of the musical performances and it was just, just a really, really cool thing. And, uh, obviously at the end of the weekend, uh, that big number, uh, yeah. 13.7 million, uh, that's a lot of money that's going to go to a really good cause. Yeah. And just to see the way the entire Penn state community embraces it, whether it's the, uh, you know, obviously it's the students, it's, it's the people who are donating. It's the, it's the dancers, uh, it's the athletes, you know, it's the coaches, Incredible. Well, uh, I figured for this episode, uh, we could talk about a couple of things. We could talk about a couple Penn State players changing positions according to the roster. Um, I know, I believe you had a chance to talk to some of the Penn State players about Manny Diaz. Penn State's added an offensive analyst, I think, with an eye towards uh, improving the beleaguered running game. We can get into that, but before I have to ask you because... Uh, I was talking to Dave Jones yesterday, uh, Tuesday for the Blue White Breakdown podcast, and I wanted to ask him about, you know, Juwan Howard, and I wanted to ask him about the college football playoff. But naturally, this will not surprise you. Dave wanted to talk about his subpar experience at the Maryland Penn State basketball game, where I think he decided to go at the last second. Maryland is is your spot. And did, A, did you know he was coming down? B, apparently he got lost. He went into the wrong uh, side of the entrance. They weren't going to let him in because he had a camera or he had a, a computer in his backpack and he had to kind of push his way past 
some poor student was probably getting like work study money because he couldn't be bothered to find the accurate media entrance. And it was a whole show. He was not happy, but a, did you know he was coming? And B, if you did, couldn't you have helped not only him out, but also all the workers uh, down there at the Maryland basketball facility. So they weren't given the, the, the evil eye from Dave Jones. Oh man. No, I knew Dave was headed down the college park. It's uh it is very funny that uh Downingtown is closer to college park than state colleges, yeah. which uh it's I'm we're out here. Um but that was kinda nice. I got to just sit back and watch the game, check out how, how Penn State hoops looks. Uh yep. a lot of familiar faces from me uh for me from my days covering high school basketball uh in yeah. Uh, in Philadelphia, but you know, I mean, it's always con- it's always confusing when you're going into one of the into one of these stadiums. Uh, <laughs> I'm always I'm always terror. I'm more I'm always more concerned with leaving. Yeah. Uh, except sure. I will say that one time in college, I went to a game at Florida State. I went in the wrong entrance, uh, and over the course of trying to find the right entrance, I ended up both in the president's suite. And then also under the stadium where they keep the horse. Uh, <laughs> so I was just kind of, I was all over the place. Uh, but normally, normally I have more issues leaving stadiums uh, and getting locked in somewhere than, uh, than trying to get in. So uh, it's, uh, it's always an adventure. All right. Well, let's, let's get to some news. Something that struck my fancy. I didn't even mention it at the start is there's, there was a ranking. I don't know if it was Lions 247, but they ranked. The quarterbacks, the returning quarterbacks, or the the preseason ranking uh, of the quarterbacks in the Big Ten and kind of where they went from 1 to 14, with 1 being the best. For If you're 14th, Daniel, it's not a great look. Penn State's Sean Clifford, who is back for his sixth year, uh, and assuming he starts, it'll be his fourth year. I think we all know who number one is going to be on the list. but uh, I can can try to guess who's ahead of him. Okay, go ahead. All right. So if he's he's number five. Yes. Uh, so CJ Stroud. Good guess on number one. I guess you'd put Aiden O'Connell from Purdue ahead of him. Uh, Aiden O'Connell checks in at number two. Okay. I guess I guess Talia Tonga-Vailoa ahead of him. You're you're on a roll. Yeah, he is number three. Is Peyton Thorne coming back? Is Peyton Thorne out of eligibility? You're unbelievable. He is number four. He is okay. number four. Uh, Sean is five. And then, you know, and really, there's really only a couple. I mean, uh, a lot of these quarterbacks that are coming back, like I would have personally had Graham Mertz last, but I have a, <laughs> just, a, just a terrible taste in my mouth after what he did in the Penn State game. He's 11th. Noah Vedral of Rutgers is 12th. But they have Spencer Petras, 10th, who beat Penn State. He didn't really beat Penn State, but Iowa beat Penn State. He was the quarterback. Tanner Morgan, who was a really good quarterback in 2019 when Kirk Scirocco was last the OC, and now he's back as the OC, he is ninth. So I'll be, I think that's one of the better storylines of the offseason is can Kirk Scirocco kind of get Tanner Morgan going? Uh, because he was, and he was very good in the Penn State game. He had two. He had two great, three great receivers to throw to, including Rashad Bateman. Uh, he had a, good, a big offensive line, but uh, yeah, for him to be ninth and still in playing in the Big Ten is a little bit surprising. The one I thought that was interesting, and it is probably right, is the guy right behind 
Sean Clifford is Cade McNamara, better better known to me as Crossing Route Cade McNamara of <laughs> Michigan because in that Michigan-Penn State game, Michigan won late. It looked like when they were throwing the ball, it was either checkdowns or crossing routes, and, and, and even I think the touchdown was on a busted coverage on a crossing route, I think maybe to a tight end. He is number six, and it, it's an interesting ranking because he, he, he did have his moments, but there's no guarantee that he would be the starting quarterback, I think, uh, this year, because I think there's going to be a little little competition between him and the backup, who I think played a lot in the Georgia loss. Um, so I think he's number six, but I have to I have to think that Sean Clifford at five is probably right. I don't think I could rank him. I was impressed with Peyton Thorne in the snow when they played Penn State in the regular season finale. If anything, I thought I think T- Talia Tagel Viola he's a he runs hot and cold. Uh, when he when he can put up some numbers, but that Iowa game was a skunker uh, this past fall when he threw five picks, and I didn't think he played that well. He played well two years ago against Penn State. He didn't play, I think, very well in the game that Penn State pulled away late, I think, to win 31-14. So what do you think of the list? Yeah, I think Tunga Vailoa is kind of the, the highest variance uh, quarterback yeah. in the conference where his highs are very high, and then his lows are that Iowa game. Uh, last year, which was really, really bad. But yeah, I mean, I think the list makes sense. I think that Clifford, when I was thinking of the number four spot, I was either at Thorne or McNamara, um, but Thorne just did a little bit more uh, than McNamara last year. So, I mean, I think that it's kind of the thing where you kind of got to look at it from the perspective that Sean Clifford is a, a fine Big Ten quarterback, especially this year going into the sixth year. You know what you're going to get out of him. And even though it was bad at times last year, it could mm-hmm. have been a lot worse. I think that it's sometimes it's easy to lose sight of that. And obviously when you're a program like Penn State that has the expectations that it has, you need a quarterback to play better than what Sean Clifford did for the second half of last year. But now that you add kind of the Drew Aller, Bo Cabrula, uh, another year for Christian Veyu behind Clifford, I think that the, the quarterback room is in, is in much better shape and, it's just like it, it could be so much worse. I mean, Noah Vedral, like some of the names on that list, Spencer, even Spencer Petrus. I mean, and Petrus Graham Martin throw and Graham, nope. your guy Graham. Um, I think that it's in a good, it's in an okay spot um, for Penn State. Obviously, you want Sean Clifford to mm-hmm. take a step forward in, in year two under Mike Yersich, but it's like it, it could be worse. And I think kind of looking at that list, it's uh, kind of in general like the the whole Big Ten needs its quarterback play to, to take a step forward. Yeah, I feel like we say that almost every year other than the Ohio State quarterback. One thing about Sean, and, uh, you know, as much as as much as much the fan base, and even even in and in some ways, we want to see the future. But if Sean can take it, stay healthy and take a, a big step forward, and before you say that's impossible, that's exactly what Kenny Pickett did uh, his last year at Pittsburgh. If you look at his numbers in 2019 and 2020, and compare them with what he did in 2021, it's unbelievable. Um, so it's certainly possible. Um, if he would do that, he, you could you could make a case that he could end up being the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten. He could certainly leapfrog Tago Vailoa. He certainly could re- leapfrog Aiden O'Connell. So it's, it, And even, even the Thorn kid. I'm not saying he would, but you, I would not rule that out. I think, I think that the Ohio State kid is, is such a gifted thrower that he's they're not – they're not in the same stratosphere, but you know, to start Sean at number five, he could actually finish quite a bit higher. 
If he finishes lower, I, I don't think the fan base is going to be thrilled if he is still the starting quarterback in, like, November. Another thing that kind of stands out to me is when looking at this list is that quarterback is just a really hard position to play. Yeah. I know that that's kind of a, a cop-out, and in some ways playing the way that offenses are, especially in college now, it's it's almost easier than ever uh, in some ways to, to play the position. But it's really hard to play it well. I mean – you kind of look at the NFL and there's only, there's 32 teams, but maybe only a third, if that, uh, in the league have kind of like long-term set quarterbacks that they're, that they're really happy with. And yeah. pretty much everyone is always looking to maneuver, um, to improve that position. I think the majority of quarterbacks are going to be average to poor <laughs> instead of good. And that's why you have to build out the rest of your team around it in case you do have an average quarterback that you can kind of help lift them up a little bit. Words of wisdom, Daniel, words of wisdom. Uh, I mean, that this time last year, I don't think anyone had Aiden O'Connell and uh, Peyton Thorne in their top five. Uh, so I think what you say, who knows exactly. Next year's top five list probably will have quite a few surprises as well. And maybe it'll even be a Penn State surprise. But, Daniel, one one thing I wanted to get to, because it could it, this could be significant what they're doing, or it actually might not be significant at all. The news that Penn State's uh, added an offensive analyst to their program, normally not a big deal. But uh, trying to connect the dots, I think it was Sean Fitz of Lions 247 who reported it first. But uh, the guy has some ties to Steve Adazio, uh, Frank Leonard, who worked with Adazio, I think, at Colorado State and Boston College. I think there's also a James Franklin tie in there. And also Phil Troutwine, I think, worked with Frank uh, at Boston College. Uh, this could be something with maybe an eye towards getting the running game going a little bit more. And it might it, it might not just be the running backs. It might be the offensive line as well. But if you had to read the tea leaves, do you think this could be a pretty significant hire? Or is this just the case of, hey, we have an opening for an analyst. This is somebody that uh, Troutwine and, and James Franklin have worked with in the past. We're going to go with what we know. Mike Yurcich is going to be the guy that's responsible for getting this offense uh, going. So where do you, where do you kind of look at that hire and maybe how that could impact Penn State's offense? Yeah, I think that adding an analyst like Frank Leonard, especially someone with the background that he has uh, under Steve Adazio, and obviously Adazio's teams uh, were well-known um, for, for their running games. Uh, Troutline mm-hmm. is obviously familiar with Adazio, dating back to Florida, uh, and then his time at Boston College. Um, Frank Leonard also worked with James Franklin at Kansas State uh, in 2007. So there's there's a lot of connections that you can make here, and I think that that familiarity helps when you bring someone in uh, to a position like this. But I mean, I think it's a thing where with an analyst, it, a lot of it's behind the scenes. Yeah. I feel like a lot of it has to do with kind of preparation um, and maybe little tweaks or, or stuff that, that happens in practice that you don't necessarily see on game day. I don't think that like the, the blocking scheme is going to change right. or, or something like that. But when you bring in kind of extra support there, um, I mean, Leonard has extensive time working with tight ends. Um, that's a position that James Franklin, when he would talk about the running game, always kind of made sure to mention um, that, it's not just the offensive line. It's not just the running backs that the tight ends play a part in this too. Um, so I think backing that up will be good. Um, and I think that the fact that it's a familiar voice 
someone that Phil Troutline knows, yeah. um, I think helps too in terms of being able to to build this out. So with all these analyst hires, I think that it's kind of like many hands make light work in a way where you look at some of the bigger programs like Alabama um, and, and Georgia, they kind of have these armies of analysts and you can kind of make jokes about it's the, like when a guy goes to Alabama, it's kind of like, oh, he's getting the, the career rehab, but there is something that, that he can add. And I think that if you have someone who has this kind of background and kind of impart this wisdom and also doesn't need to be kind of the, the main guy and can just be a resource, do his work behind the scenes. When Phil Troutline or James Franklin or Mike Yersich needs something, they can go to him. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a benefit. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. It's Daniel Gallon. I'm Bob Flounders, Blue White Breakdown Podcast. Daniel, you mentioned tight ends, and that triggered something in my big brain. Well, it was a big brain at some point. It's not so big anymore. I still haven't really recovered from the Super Bowl. Um, Based upon what you've seen and I've seen on social media, has Theo Johnson won the winner work off-season workout award? Is he the overall champion of the winter workouts? Because every time I turn around, he's getting a lot of praise. The guy looks like an NFL tight end. He certainly can run. Uh, when he gets his hands on the ball, it's almost always for a big play. He's got some wideout qualities. I mean, he probably could get a little bit better as a blocker, but he is your classic big Penn State tight end in the mold of Mike Gesicki, Adam Brenneman before he was hurt, uh, some of the guys in 2012 that played uh, for Bill O'Brien, a big tight end who can run, Jesse James. Um, this will be his third year. He got off to, I thought, a pretty good start in 2021 tailed off a little bit, but man, it looks like this guy uh, is really benefiting from yet another winter conditioning period. And it seems like the coaching staff's all on him. He's still got to do it on the field, but it looks like the arrow is pointing up in a significant uh, manner for Theo Johnson. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's, you can kind of pick how much you want to read uh, into these, these winter workout shout outs. I'm choosing to just use it as another data point. Um, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> It's something to keep in mind uh, I know. when we get when we get further in uh, to the year. But yeah, I think that Theo Johnson is kind of one of the more interesting cases this offseason. Uh, I've been keeping track, updating a spreadsheet, and Tyler <laughs> Warren got the got the shout out from Ty Howell from the first one, and then mm-hmm. in the subsequent four, it's been Theo Johnson uh, every time. Uh, Kevon Lee got three in a row for running backs. Zane Durant is the only uh, early enrollee to get a shout-out. The defensive mm-hmm. tackle, he's gotten that twice. Zariah Fisher twice, Jake Pinneger twice, Jair Brown twice. It's interesting mix, Caden Wallace yeah. twice, kind of the, the guys that have gotten the multiple shout-outs. But, I mean, Theo Johnson also, I think he got a shout-out as, like, the, the Iron Lion of the week. So I think that that's something to just kind of keep in mind. It, it's interesting and... I think that he's someone that they're going to need to take a step forward. They're going to need those yeah. uh, those tight ends to to take a step forward this year. And 
you know, Theo Johnson could make plays with the ball in his hands. Uh, and you really kind of liked what you saw in his glances. I think definitely at one point he was averaging you know, 15 right. yards a catch, 14 yards a catch. So it's a, another, another good big play guy to have there. Daniel, now, now that you, now that you tipped your hand, I know right near the end of winter workout season, there's going to be in Penn Live, there is going to be a chart. There's going to be a chart of everyone who got and what, how many, what the shout outs were like. I, I know how, now getting to know you now, that's how you work. I still, I still <laughs> lean heavily on that post you did on senior day about every senior. And you had, you wrote a couple paragraphs on each one, but I thought it was a great idea. And it really helped me in the off season, just kind of track guys who may or may not be coming back. And I feel like, I feel like there's a winter workout post well on its way to being completed as we get closer to the end of conditioning season. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I think that uh, there will be one morning, everyone will wake up. There will be a, yeah. a good, nice little table uh, on, on penlive.com. But we can also use those uh, winter workouts to, to segue uh, to a, a little position change. Let's do um, it. In the secondary. Go ahead. Uh, yesterday, uh, Zaki Wheatley, the redshirt freshman from Maryland, uh, he got the winter workout shout-out from Anthony Poindexter. And it's notable because last year, Zaki Wheatley was a cornerback. Now he's working with the safeties, mm-hmm. and it appears that he's done at least something behind the scenes that, that warrants some recognition. So that helps boost the numbers a little bit at safety, especially yeah. even though there are potentially four safeties coming in uh, in the incoming freshman class. None of those guys will be there till the summer. So it's a chance for Zaki Wheatley to kind of maybe find a little bit of a niche there. You got to replace Jaquan Risker, and that's a lot to replace. Yeah, Daniel, and I really think this makes a lot of sense on many levels, and I think you're going to see more of it. If you if you're Penn State and you you feel really good about your top four corners, and I think Penn State does with Porter, Daquan Hardy, Johnny Dixon, who I think is probably going to play a lot more this year, and Kalen King, who I was really impressed with, and you might even like some other guys. But if you have some young corners that you still really like in the in the age of the transfer portal. You want to get them involved, and you want to get them in a role that they can thrive in as quickly as possible because even if you're a good corner and you can't crack the top four or top five for, you know, the second year, that's when you start to look around and say, hey, do I want to be? I just think that there's a lot more there's a lot more opportunity for growth for Zaki maybe at safety than there is at corner, and that doesn't mean he's a bad uh, defensive back. It just means that there's no room at the end maybe at corner. I like the move, at least for that reason. And one more. Did I did I read this wrong? Or was the guy was the quarterback who almost started against Rutgers, Mason Stahl, did he did he has has he been moved to wide out? That was a recent decision, wasn't it? I think he was a quarterback on the final roster, was he not? Yeah, yeah. And I think he's well regarded for his athleticism. Yeah. And we saw him at the end of that Rutgers game. Um yeah. I think that it's you know, there's kind of those those little things that, that you notice and <laughs> Obviously, it, it it stinks that we can't see this stuff in action on the field yet, right but now. but hopefully we will uh, at some point soon. But I mean, it's this is the off season. If you have that super athletic backup quarterback, I mean, obviously the room is in a completely different yeah. uh, spot than it was at this point sure. a year ago. So if you want to get Mason Stahl involved somehow, I, I think he was playing special teams at times last year too, even yeah. though he was the the third or fourth quarterback. So get him onto the field, let him make something happen. And if that's that wide receiver, I mean, 
they got to they have to replace Jahan Dotson, and there could be room for him on on the scout team or, yeah. or somewhere to to right. do something. So that's that's an interesting one. I didn't catch that. I think it's true. I'm going to have to scan it now, but I'm almost positive that he. That I saw him how saw him at wide receiver. Daniel, before we wrap up this edition of the Blue White Breakdown podcast, you, I saw over the weekend you were able to talk to a couple of linebackers about Manny Diaz. I think it was, uh, I think it was Curtis Jacobs, your guy, and I think it was Tyler Elston. I was surprised maybe a Penn State SID staff member didn't try and wrangle you because usually you're only allowed to talk to those guys about Thon, and I understand that, but I, I, I don't know if you snuck in some questions about Manny Diaz or they were like, okay. We'll give you one, but it sounds like uh, at least you got uh, some. What, what what did you take away from maybe their thoughts on Manny? Tyler Elsden and Curtis Jacobs both had great things to say about uh, participating in Thon and and getting to be a part of it, and also about how kind of getting the early enrollees there was a, a good way to show them that there's a lot more to being a, a football player at Penn State than just Beaver Stadium on Saturdays um, in the fall, but. The, the Manny Diaz conversation was interesting. Um, Curtis Jacobs, I think, is very excited. Um, and obviously, he's going to play a key role in that defense at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting to talk to Tyler Elsden um, about it. Uh, Tyler Elsden described himself as a pry guy. You know, he was a little, you know, obviously, whenever there's change in the guy who recruited you and was a big part of the yep. reason that you're at the school, when he leaves, obviously, that can kind of create a little bit of concern and uncertainty. But he said that Manny Diaz came in and, and that he he loves uh, Manny Diaz and that Manny Diaz made a, a great impression on him and that he's someone where he has a lot of experience. So it's clear that he knows what he's doing. And I think that's really resonated. So I thought that that was kind of an interesting kind of way to look at the, the timeline of, okay, Brent Pry leaves. There's uncertainty. New guy comes in. You have to get to know the new guy. And now at this point, we're in February. It's been two months since the Manny Diaz hire was announced. And this is kind of, you know, the guy now, you kind of know how things are going to go. So that was really interesting. And um, both Curtis and Tyler said that the the younger guys at the position, you, know, you got Kobe King, Jamari Budden, two guys that can take on big roles that they've both been coming along nicely. And I think that it'll be really interesting to see kind of what that linebacker position looks like. Um, under Manny Diaz after we kind of got used to what it looked like under Brent Pry. Daniel, Mason Stahl is now listed as a six foot, 202 pound receiver. So that is <laughs> not that it's a huge deal, but I just was, I was just was, uh, I saw the Wheatley thing too. And I, I went, so I went up to the roster. I'm like, just to make sure they didn't sneak any other, like Curtis Jacobs is not listed as an offensive tackle, right? I was like, they didn't go <laughs> any fast ones. And I said, Hey, wait a minute. Stahl was, he almost started at quarterback against Rutgers and now he's at wideout. So I just wanted to run that one by you. One last thing since you talked about Thon, any of the January enrollees, uh, I mean, they, they have their listed heights and weights, I think from, I don't know, October of their junior year on the Penn State roster. I'm sure they're not even going to be close to what they, they kind of measure out at, at the end of winter conditioning. But any of those guys look, uh, either super, super big, bigger than you thought. Any of them have any, uh, Stuff to do in the weight room. I saw a couple pictures. I think of Hermit took of uh, Drew Aller, and he looks every bit of I think six five or six six. I didn't know if you got a chance to look at any of those guys and, and, and have any uh, impressions of them. Yeah, I mean it's a group that definitely passes the eye test. Um, I mean Drew Aller looks the part um, of the of the big bodied quarterback. Um, obviously, 
there's there's room for him to fill out um, mm-hmm. on that frame. But the one thing that stood out to me physically is that you know Bro, Bo Perula, like he's he gets kind of pigeonholed as that oh he's the smaller he's the smaller <laughs> quarterback he's the smaller yep. guy. I mean he's still six two. I mean, yeah. he's not he's not five eleven. Uh, he's not a Johnny Manziel like oh are you sure he's five ten? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean he's six two and kind of seeing him in person. It's kind of like, oh yeah, he he looks the part too. Um, obviously, we know he's a different type of quarterback, but he's not someone who's like glaringly undersized. Um, right. I thought that 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 kind of stood out to me. The rest of the guys kind of looked looked like he thought. I mean, Zane Durant is interesting. Uh, he's the defensive tackle listed at six one two sixty, definitely very stout, um, <laughs> and he's it's going to be interesting to watch his development come along. And then the other guys who were there, the non-freshmen, just kind of, you know, it's been a while since we've seen these guys. And a lot of these guys you've never seen without pads or up close or anything. I didn't get a chance to talk to Olu Fashanu, but obviously seeing him, he's large. Tyler Warren, he's listed at 6'6", 252. I mean, he looks like he could play offensive line. Like, he looks built like a tackle, um, and we know that he has the athletic traits um, so kind of seeing him um, with other offensive linemen like Nick Dawkins, um, who's, who's another big guy. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously Malik Mega, 6'4", 200. Um, you know, he also look, looks the part. So it was, I don't know, but Tyler Warren's size, I kind of kept coming back to it because he was with a group of guys that was a lot of, um, a couple offensive linemen, a couple of the linebackers, and he really, really stood out uh, among that group. Well, all I can say is he's no Theo Johnson based upon the winter workout <laughs> shoutouts. Also, no love for Brenton Strange yet on the winter workouts. If I'm him, I'm like, do I need to get my acting gear? Are they trying to push my buttons? Is Theo Johnson really, really killing it in winter workouts? What about me? I've caught some touchdowns. I'm on the field a lot. What's the deal? Yeah, and that's where with those winter workout things, you, you always wonder if they're trying to send a message to someone and, and what that message might be. Okay, Daniel Gallon, I know you got stuff to get to today, and I know you got a podcast to record with Dustin Hockensmith uh, a little later this week. Fans, Penn State fans, make sure you check that out. But that's a wrap for Daniel and I on this uh, pretty nice Wednesday. It's a pretty nice weather day Wednesday in Harrisburg. And, you know, Daniel, the next time we talk, I think we're going to be in March. I think that we will be in March because there's only 28 mm-hmm. days in February. I just did that on my big brain. So by the time you and I talk on the podcast again – uh, hopefully, it'll be March. We'll have an idea about the schedule for Penn State's uh, spring practices, maybe some media availability. And we still need to, we still need to wrangle that elusive uh, pro day date. Uh, there's like every, just about 85% of the schools in, in, you know, FBS have their pro dates set up, scheduled. Not Penn State. They always make us wait. All right, Penn State fans, take care. Daniel and I will be back next week to talk more Penn State football. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.